Hey, everybody. How's it going? How's everything doing? We go off to a good start? Well, I really hope it is, and I'm grateful and thankful for you to tune in to another edition of the J Reels Podcast. I am your host, J Reels, here on a Tuesday, July 31st in the year of our Lord, 2018, as the MLB trade deadline is upon us. Usually I uh, put out these podcasts on a Monday, but considering the scope of the trade deadline and everything that's going on, especially with the locals, a lot of wheeling and dealing with the Yankees, and even the Mets to a certain extent, But throughout Major League Baseball, I figured this would be the best time to get on the air, put this out once the trade deadline comes and goes, so you could be the first to hear my take on what's happening here with the MLB trade deadline. Uh, If this is your first time tuning into the J-Rolls podcast and you're wondering what the heck is this, well, I greatly appreciate you downloading and listening to the program. Pretty much what I do is talk about the New York sports scene and beyond. I'll talk about anything and anything that has to do with the gridiron, the diamond, the ice, the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are. And if this is more than your first time listening to this program, welcome back. Today I'm going to touch base more on the MLB trade deadline, as I mentioned. Also, a state of the union for the New York Mets and their fans. I'm bringing back Scott and Jerome. Remember them back in one of my earlier episodes when we previewed this New York Met team, and who would have thought with the way they started off at 11-1 and that their season had just gone deep into the abyss. We're going to talk a little bit about not only just what we've come to know of this team here in 2018, but more so where this team is headed. And again, the relevance of this Met team for 2018 is pretty much out the window. But my take on this, as well as their take, is going to be very interesting because we know this team just three years ago made it to a World Series, and now they're pretty much going to be in last place toiling for the rest of this baseball campaign. So you'll get our take not only on what the Mets will probably do here in the days and weeks to come with this organization, but a new GM regime looks like is going to be headed into flushing at the end of the year and what they should do in the offseason. I understand it's a little bit early to do that, considering we still have two months of baseball to be played and then obviously an offseason, hot stove and all that. But as frustrated as I am, as well as Scott and Jerome are, this is our platform to reach out to the Met fan to let them know that, hey, as dire and as bad as this season has been, hopefully whatever our outlook as fans will be will certainly be one that will have a glimmer of hope. So you'll hear our breakdown about that. I'll also talk about Sam Darnold after the discussion with Scott and Jerome about the Mets. We'll also talk about the Yankees a little bit too as far as what their prospects are going to look like not only down the road as far as the rest of the season as they have a huge four-game set against the Red Sox this coming weekend, but also their postseason, I'm not going to say chances, but where they'll stack up. Will they be a wild-card team? Are they going to push for a division? A lot's going to be at stake this coming weekend, which will be very telling come Monday or maybe Sunday night after their four-game series is up. And just a couple of other notes at the end, of course. After our discussion, I'll uh, talk about Sam Darnold the quarterback of the Jets who signed on officially uh, their first-round pick of this year, what early expectations will we possibly see from him, and a couple other things before we sign off. But first, my discussion back for the second time here on the podcast, Scott and Jerome joining me discussing the trade deadline, the Mets, and other baseball news and notes. All right, so we got Jerome on the line. He's not with us live as uh, I'm here with Scott in uh, live, direct, and full effect, as I used to say in the uh, old program. And uh, Jerome, who uh, we'd be remiss not to wish him a happy and healthy 30th birthday. Right, Jerome? 
<laughs> I was going to say um, I'm 27, but I'll take 30. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. And, of course, uh, we met uh, how many months ago? Back in March when we did the podcast about the 2018 Mets. And uh, we'll certainly get to them as far as what they'll do moving forward. We all know it's been a disaster ever since the uh, 13th game of the year. But uh, now that it's officially 5:13 and we're post uh, trade deadline, the Major League Baseball landscape, I tell you, has been turned upside down with all the trades here today. Whether it was uh, Chris Archer going to the Pirates of all teams, you figure the Pirates—they made a nice run here over the last couple of weeks. Are they trying to go for it now? Uh, you also look at what the Phillies have done in bringing in Wilson Ramos. I know I'm missing somebody else. Then they uh, acquire somebody else today or maybe in the last couple days. Oh, besides a Drupal Cabrera, I thought they had somebody else uh, in the mix. But uh, certainly a lot of trades to be made. And the first thing I'm going to say about that is that I can't recall, and I guess we say this every year, so much activity right before the 4 p.m. deadline that, uh, you know, you make your head spin. That's how much uh, activity has gone on in Major League Baseball today. Scott Jerome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you saw guys being traded today that – that weren't even uh, free agents at the end of the year. You, you see guys like Gaussman and O'Day and, and Chris Archer. Those guys are controlled. You, you, those, guys are, those guys are controllable for another two years. So, you know, it, it seems interesting that the Orioles and, and Tampa Bay are not only did they punt this year, but they're punting next year and the year after already. Um, I mean, I know we'll talk about the Mets, but thank God we're not in, in, in their boat. <laughs> Jeez. Jerome, what yeah, do you think I, about all this? I, no, I thought it was interesting. I thought that Dozier, Dozier uh, trade was uh, interesting from the Dodgers' standpoint. You know, Dozier's uh, he's been an impact player the last few years. He's actually not having a good year this year, which makes me think maybe he's hurt. I mean, he's batting the low 200s, but maybe it's just, you know, the malaise of playing with the Twins. I mean, you know, we're going to see if, if he's anywhere near he, where he's been the last couple of years, and you team him with Machado in that, line, I mean, that lineup. For the National League, I mean, I got to say the Dodgers are, you know, I don't think I'm going on the ledge here by saying they're the front runner now. That lineup's lethal. Yeah, it's amazing what they've done the last couple of weeks. And by the way, if you hear the hum in the background, for those who are listening, that's the uh, air conditioner. This is the famous conference room that we were in a few months ago. So if you're wondering what that hum is, that's the uh, cool air that's coming through above. So uh, certainly don't adjust your volume or uh, whatever it is that you're listening to uh, on your phone or other device. But, um, <laughs> but it's funny you say that, Jerome, because – a lot of teams, they're looking to jockey for position. Now, the American League, it's interesting because when you look at what the Yankees and what the Red Sox have done here in, in recent memory, uh, even the A's, you know, bringing in uh, Familia, and it's, it's so top-heavy in the American League where now in the National League, as you said, having Machado in the mix, having Dozier in the mix, it pretty much makes them the front runner. Although, you know, Philly, of course, will have you know something to say about that. Even the Cubs, uh, you know, you think that they would uh, progress and Chances are probably win a division, even though Milwaukee has certainly you know bolstered their team by bringing in a guy like Mike Moustakas. But uh, it's really wide open to to think what where the National League could go as opposed to the American League, where you know it's going to be four or five teams at the most. Oh, I think that's a great call. But I think your your point on the talent sort of switching leagues is a great point. That um, I you know let's be honest, in the last fifteen years, it's been it's been obviously tilted towards the American League, but. Um, you have to make you know a, a, a good call here that the National League is definitely caught up in, in terms of talent now with impact players. So it's going to be interesting how it all shakes up, and more importantly, it's going to be interesting to see some of these players. You know, Scott alluded to um, the guys who do have time. Um, you know, there are you know still arbitration eligible, but some of these guys are not. Some of these are rentals, 
and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are they all in, some of these teams, or are they going to hold on to these guys moving forward? Or, um, you know, I mean, I think the Dodgers certainly hold on to Machado. I think they have the money to do that. It'd just be interesting to hear what you guys think about that and, and some of the other guys who moved yeah. uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think where we are where we are uh, in the National League because just, just because the Nationals and, and the Giants have, uh, for lack of better words, shit the bed this year. I mean, Giants spent $200 million, and they're uh, – They've got nothing to show for it, and 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 the Nationals another year of, and most of their pitchers stayed healthy this year, and and they're still, they they were sellers at the deadline, which which is unbelievable since they're not going to sign Harper. So that, you know, as a Met fan, you were expecting the Nationals and you were hoping to contend, and and it's just shocking that the Braves and the Phillies have rebuilt so quickly, so effectively, have have, have five tool players coming up from the minor leagues every day. Um, and, and I don't want to talk about the Mets yet, but but the fact that we don't have a single guy that that, that you can even put in the same sentence as as, as Albies or, or or anything like that. I mean, Marcakis would be our best hitter. <laughs> that, that, that's how bad it is. But 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 in the American League, you know, it's it's pretty much it's gone chalk. I mean, you knew the Yankees and the Red Sox were going to run away with it. You knew the Indians were pretty good. Uh, you know, Oakland Oakland's a surprise, but but they're not going anywhere. Houston, yeah, Houston. Yeah, Houston, Houston, the Yankees and the Red Sox are pretty much gone to chalk and. You That's know, true. Yep. One of those three teams are gonna are gonna are gonna be in the World Series if if not win it uh, this year. Right, and then the funny thing is, even speaking about Harper, to think that this morning there were even rumors of him possibly being traded, where the GM Mike Rizzo shot that down quickly, saying we have no interest in trading Bryce Harper. But that just tells, you know shows how bad the Nationals have been this year. Certainly underachieved. And I just also see here that the Brewers added uh, Jonathan Scope from the Orioles. So uh, now you bring in. You know, two, four, or half of their infield now has been brought in over the last few days between Mustakas and Al uh, Scope. And, of course, the Brewers are another team that are certainly looking to make a push in a wide-open National League, despite the fact that we think L.A. is going to be the uh, front-runner there in the National League. But my thing is, guys, when you look at all these trades, and obviously we don't know how this is going to play out, the Yankees, I'll just to keep it here for New York, what were you going to say, Jerome? No, I was going to say the point about the Brewers is great. The Brewers are all in. I mean, you realize what's going on here in Milwaukee? Yeah. They're all in now. They're giving up prospects left and right, and they're saying, you know what, let's go for it right now. Which is good. I mean, who would have thought, you know, three, four years ago that the Brewers would certainly uh, be buyers and buyers to the extent where they would bring in, you know, pretty much a whole new infield to, to boot. Yeah, I mean, since no, not since y- the Sabathia no. year have, have you seen the Brewers even even try to spend a little money down the stretch. Um, this, is, this is it. No, you're absolutely right. This is it. Now, as far as the Yankees are concerned, just to kind of keep it local uh, before we segue to the Mets. Now, we know the deals that they made. And interestingly enough, I know we all got together yesterday before we were about to play softball where five minutes before the start, it just started pouring and uh, (laughs) therefore did not have a game. But uh, prior to the start of the game, I know a lot of it we were talking about the uh, whole international bonus money. And to think that the Yankees, with all these deals that they made, trading, you know, uh, Chase and Shreve, uh, trading another kid to the White Sox. They got a ton of international money back to where they signed this kid from Cuba, the 16-year-old Osiel Rodriguez, supposedly throws 97, and he's 16. So uh, they're certainly <laughs> they're making all these trades. You know, they bring in Lance Lynn from uh, Minnesota to ship out Tyler Austin. And this is another story, which I'll get to in a second, but you got the Yankee fans crying, talking about, oh, my God, I can't believe they traded Tyler Austin. And, you know, what are they doing, you know, trading some of these, you know, chips away, the Billy McKinney's of the world, obviously Brandon Drury. Uh, to bring in J.A. Happ. So my point in all this here is that the Yankees, 
for everything that they've done here over the last couple of weeks, bringing in Zach Britton, do you think that is enough to catch the Red Sox where they have the big showdown up at Fenway coming Thursday night? Scott, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, what Yankee team is coming to Fenway? The catcher's on the DL. Right. You know, I mean, and that's and that's a big issue. You, you got the, the team batting average is, is what, 260 for the Yankees? And, and this is, you know, they're playing in a bandbox in New York. I mean, I mean... I mean, look, the Yankees definitely improved. They're, they just changed two-fifths of the rotation. Red Sox did the same thing. The Red Sox, I mean, it's a little small deal, but Yovaldi threw a shutout in his first game. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, when the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is great, baseball is great. So, you know, I'm looking forward to these these four games, and you got another another three games at the end of the season in Fenway. you got another three at Yankee Stadium. So the, the schedulers, you know, they, 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 they set it up pretty good. Although, if, you know, if the Yankees are, are five and a half games out after this weekend the way they are today, you're really not going to have much of a pennant race down the end. It's just going to be, you know, who's going to host that wild card game. And, and at least the Yankees, you know, at least the Yankees finally have a, a starter that's going to go deep in that game. So you've got, you got to like the Yankees' chances. I, I do from the wild card point of view, but make no mistake. And, and you never want to count the Yankees, especially – you know, for, with them playing in their their ballpark, which actually plays in Fenway as well. But make no mistake, the Red Sox have the better team right now. If you look at it on paper, just pitching-wise, I mean, you're looking at Price, uh, excuse me, Sale, Porcello, Rodriguez, Price. And then on the other side, Savarino's been terrible in yeah. the last two starts. Um, very hittable. Gray, who... You know, is this guy even getting a start in the playoffs? I don't know. CeCe Sabathia, he's not supposed to get a start. Um, Lance Lynn, I'm going to be honest with you guys. He doesn't scare me. No, <laughs> I agree. Um, I, I just, you know, Tanaka, you don't know what you're going to get. He's Obviously, you know, when he's on, he's, he's great. But even Robertson in the bullpen hasn't been, been great this year. Chapman, you can't count on. I would still, every team would love to have him. Don't get me wrong. But um, it's going to be interesting what Cashman does here because – does he try to go out and pick up one of these um, waiver uh, pickups next month? Because, you know, now it's going to get tough for him. And it, it, you're going to war now with these guys of, you know, as I mentioned, Sonny Gray. Um, uh, who else do they got there? Um, you know, they picked up Britton. I love him in the bullpen. But, yeah. you, got you know, five, you got five, you got five innings. You got five innings. Yeah, Sabathia's going to go as five innings. And look, and what the Red Sox did this year, and they said they were going to do it, is they limited Chris Sale. Chris Sale pitched a game last week where he threw about 92 pitches, had 11 strikeouts through six, and they yanked him. Like they, they I mean, they saw what happened in the playoffs. He, he, he just looked, he just looked gassed. And this year, he's going in. You know, he's going to barely throw over 200 innings, and and and, and he's going to be, uh, he's going to be rested. And then you got, you know, you got Price. As long as he doesn't have to face the Yankees, he yeah. should be able to go deep. And Porcello, you don't know what Porcello you're going to get, but the guy just wins. I mean. Unlike Jacob Degrom, you got Porcello. What is he? Fourteen and three this year with a four ERA. I mean, Degrom on that team would probably be oh, he'd probably be nineteen and zero. <laughs> yeah, and, and and one thing I want to mention, I forgot that you see how big of a pickup that Jay Happ deal was, and I, and I finally learned that his name is Jay, just Jay Happ. Right. You think it's J A Happ? Yes. <laughs> right. 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 No, right. You can see. Yeah. No, no Andrew. Sorry. No, I was just going to say just. The point that that pickup is, you know, when you look at the holes in the Yankees' rotation, that was a huge get for the Yankees, and that's why Cashman uh, obviously made that deal. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, is that they're hoping that this bullpen, and of course their offense as well in October, they're hoping that this bullpen is going to deliver them a World Series because nobody on this 
you know, on God's green earth, is going to look at uh, anybody south of Severino that's going to go six, seven innings in a playoff game. Now, I understand Tanaka had a great run last year. Same for Sabathia until game seven against the Astros. But think about this. You could actually go into a game. Let's say it's game three and it's 1-1 and you have, let's say, CeCe's pitching that game. And next thing you know, CeCe's three and two-thirds. Well, guess what? You know they're going to wheel out the, 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 the following guys. They're going to wheel out Zach, not in this order, but they're going to wheel out Zach Britton. They're going to wheel out Chad Green, Batances, Robertson, Chapman. That's five guys right there just out of your bullpen alone. And I'm sure I'm probably missing one other guy on top of that. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to use that formula to get them to a World Series and pretty much do what the Royals did to us, unfortunately, back in 2015 to have those guys carry the load because even if, and that's the crazy thing, let's say if CC gets bombed in a game three and it's 6-1, we know that Yankee offense, and I understand you face better pitching in the postseason, but 6-1 in the fourth inning is still far, a game that's far from over. And as long as their bullpen locks them down, the Yankees will always have a shot. And that's, to me, their biggest strength. You could say the offense, yes, but their bullpen is, to me, was what's going to carry them to a World Series champion. I concur on all points. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you think of the state of the the, game right now. Yeah, I mean, you think of the Indians team from a couple years back, and you add the Yankees offense. (laughs) Yeah, on top of that, which is pretty scary. Now, uh, what do you think about the Yankees' chances here? Do you think, I know a lot of the fans that I've heard, whether on Sports Talk Radio or just a few people that I've spoken to, they're not resigned to the wild card because they look at the Red Sox. You know, it's not like they look at the Red Sox pre-2004, where it's like, oh, we're going to catch them. Oh, you know, they're going to fall like a cheap suit. You know, a lot of them are looking at it like, well, chances are we may get a wild card despite the fact that they still have 10 games against them and also there's still two months of the season. But I wouldn't be too resigned on wanting to get the wild card considering you have all these games left ahead. What do you guys think moving forward? Do you think the Yankees will somehow some some way catch the Red Sox and gain that division crown? Or do you think that they're probably going to, you know, fight for that uh, home field wild card, which they'll have a pretty comfortable lead? Uh, but do you think that uh, the wild card is what they're going to be uh, headed for? I, mean, I think, guys, that – look, it, I'm looking at the schedule now. You're absolutely right, Jason. There's two months left. But given the fact that I, I still think even with the J-Hap signing I, and, you know, with the injuries that are happening, you know, obviously a catcher, judge, we don't know how, how long he's going to be out. They say three weeks. Does that mean four weeks? If it was the Mets, it'd be, you know. Uh, the rest of the year. Yeah. rest of the year. <laughs> but but um, I don't think I'm going on a limit either here saying I don't think they're going to catch the Red Sox. Could they? Absolutely. Because we don't know if the Red Sox is going to stay healthy. We don't foresee, you know, Chris Sale blowing his arm out. You know, God forbid for the Red Sox fans out there in three weeks. Um, but I think they're playing for the wild card. I just think the Red Sox overall are just a better, a better team. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think this is over. I mean, what what are the Yankees going to do? Win at best two out of three? They'll still be they'll still be five games out, four and a half games out, and 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 you know what? The Red Sox didn't make huge deals, but the Ovaldi signing is nice. That'll give them some innings. They're going to also they also got Kinsler, which kind of which kind of right. tells you that Pedroia is not coming back. Yeah. And then you got Jackie Bradley Jr. has been hitting about a buck eighty all year, and now all of a sudden. He's up to like 220. You know, he'll be up to 230, 240. The guy gets on base. The guy is unbelievable in center field. Yeah. I mean, he's do, he's destined to make at least two or three catches this weekend that they, that'll blow your mind. Uh, they'll make you think that you know how Conforto can reach, <laughs> get play center field at <laughs> oh, Fenway. But uh, but you know, Devers is coming back off the DL and he he's hitting the ball. So I, I think there's room for the Red Sox to even improve on offense. Uh, and and Ben Attendee's now going to play you know a full year. 
uh, and the shortstop's pretty good. So I, I think one through nine, the, the lineup on the Red Sox, they all put the ball in play. They all walk. They all they all hit sacrifice flies. They, they all do the, those baseball things that need to be done. You know, the Yankees hit a lot of home runs, and, and home runs do win games. But, but, but you know, I, I mean, Mookie Betts could bet third or fourth for, for any team in baseball, and the guy's still betting leadoff for this team. Yeah. Uh, Moreland, who was really an afterthought, made the all-star team. So, you know, other than catcher, I think, that, you know, the Red Sox offense is, is just as good as the Yankees, if not, you know, even better from a getting on base standpoint. Scott, I just want to say uh, one of the deals I got put through that I love was the Kinsler pickup. Yeah, Scott, I mean, it's you mentioned that before. I look at Kinsler as a guy, he's, you know, he's a veteran. Uh, he's certainly on the downside of his career. He's 36 years old, but I wonder if he'll be rejuvenated. He's now going to be thrust into this rivalry here. I'm sure he's going to be juiced up for this weekend. And who knows, that could be one of those one of those trades that you kind of did not see on the radar. You know, everybody's going to look at the Machado deal, Moustakas, even, you know, Chris Archer for that matter. But this is a deal that, who knows, could really pay dividends for the Red Sox and could kind of fly under the radar. Or once we get to the end of the year. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, I love seeing my fellow Jewish players uh, do something. And now he'll be in, in the Northeast, where he'll be able to play in front of more Jews than, than down in Dallas, where not, you don't see so many of them. But you know, I mean, I, I do. I like Kinsler much better, much better than I like Dozier. Um, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, we talked about in the off season the uh, the Indian second baseman that was available. He, he oh, Jason Kipnis. Kipnis, he he didn't really do much. So no. I, th- I think as far as you know, he's 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 terrible. Oh, he, 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 had a, he had a rough right year. So, so I mean, Kinsler, you, you got Nunez already. Nunez can hit the ball, right? But, uh, but, but you know, at least as a late defensive replacement, if not, you know, a potential uh, starting second baseman, I think that was a no-brainer for the Red Sox. And you know what? They didn't give up anything uh, to get him. Well, so, yeah. uh, Scott, and the other thing I want to bring up when we're, we're talking about the Yankees here is, you know, they get Jay Happ. He's a, he, you know, he's a top-flight left-hander. But the Red Sox, I mean, they slaughter lefties. I mean. Another guy who's sort of under the radar, but he kills lefties is Pierce. You know, yes. whether he's in the outfield, which probably won't be, but, you know, DHing or, or playing first base for Moreland. And, you know, their team, you know, they're, they're, they're set up to, to play. And I think, you know, they're even better defensively than the Yankees. So it's going to be interesting, that you know, where it, where it goes down. But make no mistake, the Red Sox are trying to win a title themselves, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and the back end of the bullpen is is, is equal. It's it, the Yankees definitely have the advantage in the, in the middle to late innings. Uh, you know, there's there's really no disagreement there. But you know, if Sale and Porcello and and, and Price can go six seven innings, it, you know, at, and you, you need some guy to step up, Barnes or, or somebody else as a bridge to Barnes, to yeah. Kim, to Kimball. Kelly's been, Kelly's been bad of late. Yeah. 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 And that's the one thing too, because I you mentioned Price before Scott, and to me this start Sunday night is an enormous start for him because the Yankees, certainly they've beaten up on him going back to his days in Tampa. They, what was it, the Sunday night game earlier at Yankee Stadium, he lasted an inning, I believe it was. Uh, He's not going to face Gary Sanchez because Sanchez owns him, but still the whole Yankee lineup has just battered him from pillar to post. So despite the fact that no matter what happens over the course of this weekend, I think for the Red Sox fan, they got to look at Price's start Sunday night as just a some sort of stepping stone for him to pitch against him because could you imagine if it's a, a short series let's just say the Yankees go to a wild card they win that game and then in all likelihood they're going to play the Red Sox in the first round Price is not going to be your game one starter but let's just say for argument's sake it's 1-1 you go to Yankee Stadium and David Price is your game three starter I mean he's got to get some confidence against this team because if not man he's going to get eaten alive by not only just the, the, the offense but also the fans especially when he pitches at the stadium 
my, my hope is that you don't see him at the at the stadium because he's he's definitely one of those guys that uh, you know you got to question his uh, intest- intestinal fortitude. I think is fortitude. The word. Yes, I mean, yes. I yes. Mean, he, he's a little bit soft. Yes, I like to say the testicular fortitude. That's what I mean. <laughs> that, 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 that was the word. That was the word. But uh, no, it'll be interesting to see how Price is going to uh, fare the rest of the way, especially against the Yankees. But uh, now we'll turn our attention to the Mets, and I'm sure that uh, the 20 Mets fans that are out there, three of them are on the line right now. Uh, well, we'll start with the <laughs> trades that they made. And I know we talked about this prior to the All-Star break when we looked at the two big chips that they were looking to trade. And, of course, that would Either. be Jerus Familia and Azdrubal Cabrera. Now, for the Familia trade, what they got back – you know, they got back this Will Toffey, who's a uh, third-base prospect who can't hit but can field. And they got the uh, hard-throwing right-handed pitcher who's 26 years old. What's his name? Uh, I know his last name is Wall. I can't think of his first name. Bobby Wall, I think is his name. And just like we've said all along, if the Mets weren't going to pick up the rest of Familia's contract, which is probably chump change, let's face it, why couldn't they go after a higher prospect? I understand they're not going to bring back a top-five prospect back. And I understand he's in a walk year because there's a lot of fans out there that looked at, well, hey, look what the Padres got in the Brad Hand deal when they sent over their top, uh, I think it was like a top five prospect for the Cleveland. It was in a catcher at, at that. But the thing is that Brand still, uh, Brad Hand still has three years left. He just signed this uh, deal this past offseason, so he still has two years after this year. So, therefore, they have control of him. Whereas Familia, obviously, you're getting a rental. So, with all that being said, we'll start with the Familia trade. I was upset at that because it's almost as if they said we had our eyes on this guy and they ended up getting him as opposed to saying, hey, let's start with the fifth best prospect in the system and work their way down. And obviously they got a guy who could possibly be a good third baseman but can't hit. And then a guy who throws hard, strikes out a lot of people, but he's 26 years old. So there goes the Met brass up to its old tricks again, not bringing back what they should have gotten in return for a guy who, let's face it, although he's had his druthers in the postseason, especially in the World Series and in that wild card game, but overall his body work has certainly been more than solid. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I'm still getting my hands around is this international slot money. And you know, when people complain to the Mets about the prospects, you know, one of the comments that came out was, "Yeah, but we got this money. We got this international slot money." Yes. Which I'm fine with if we actually get these players. Um, you know, you had mentioned the Yankees earlier in, in the podcast. Uh-huh. you know where they've gone out and, and they've been smart and they've pinpointed who to get and um, you know are the Mets doing that I know we've got some guys down in the form they've picked up uh, from the international draft so look it's not sexy you know I, I can't speak I'll let you guys you know touch base we could have got you know better talent because clearly we got we probably didn't even get any prospects that are you know that might not even make the major leagues I mean it looks like the Cabrera deal was a little bit better um, but even there's there's some shine taken off that guy as well he, he was a top prospect he can throw hard but you know we can speak about that in a second so uh, you know look I, I'm not sure where to go with this um, familiar trade I, I know people think we should have got this and that um, I really don't think it would have been that great but I, I yeah I'd be the first guy to tell you I wish it was a little bit sexier Scott yeah well I mean look familiar is now gone out in his first his first game after flying cross country through two innings three strikeouts one hit hasn't given up a run yet uh, look, it's it's a it's a small sample size, but look, I, you know, I don't know enough about the minor leagues, but but just just from an optics perspective, I mean, and and, and you have to worry about that with the Mets. 
from the op optics perspective, they make this trade two weeks before the trading deadline, before the market was even set. The hand trade had just happened, but uh, you, you don't know what the, what the market's going to turn into. I mean, look, a lot of these guys, a lot of these one-inning guys got traded today, and I, I can't tell any. I, can't, I don't see any top 20 uh, MLB Baseball America guys in there. But, but, but what was the big rush? Like, why did they need to trade him on, on July 14th when you got two weeks left? You know, more teams could be in contention, and that's what did happen. You have more teams in contention today, mostly because of, uh, you know, the debacle the, the that's happening in Washington. But more teams are looking for guys today. You would have had a better chance of moving this guy. And, and then the optics, you had – it turns out that the third baseman's dad is buddies with J.P. Ricciardi, and he wanted to bring him to the Mets. Like, why do I care about that? Like, you know, I mean, fine, I'm okay signing Lee Mazzilli Jr., giving, you know, drafting him in the 48th round or, you know, John Franco's yeah. son. But, but, but you have, you know, two or three pieces, and you need to rebuild in a million spots. And you go and you trade, you know, you, because J.P. Ricciardi knows the dad, and that, and that made the trade, you know, more important. And then I guess, you know, Rico must have done the Cabrera trade because we did a little bit better there. So now, yeah. now you know, if we, if we trade – you know, if we if we trade Degrom in the off season, maybe that'll be an Omar trade, and then you know Omar will trade it to you know his buddy down in Puerto Rico, and we'll get somebody back. So I mean, it's just ridiculous the optics that you see from this team over and over and over again. Yeah, and, and that's not even talking about the cesspitous stuff that no, happened this geez. year, which which you know they they threw this poor manager under the bus. They didn't tell him anything that was going on, and he's you know you have these beat writers pounding on him. Why didn't you tell me that cesspitous was hurt? What's all this stuff? And he knew nothing about it. The fans knew yeah. nothing about it. Like this team just one thing after another is just an absolute joke and and you know so, and so sandy's yeah. not there anymore so you don't have you know at least one guy taking the heat now everybody's taking the heat um it's just it's really hard to be well, a met fan these days oh yeah no i agree so well here brings up my next question i guess we're say segueing into that is who's the gm next year and i know i brought this up at softball yesterday who are we getting who's even out there who's sexy i know you brought up john daniels um don't know if we have enough going for us to bring him back here. He seems pretty entrenched down in Texas, but anything's possible. Um, you know, we do have those three guys. I mean, if I'm a GM coming in, I got the Grom, Syndergaard, and Wheeler to start from. Um, you know, one thing we definitely have to do is get defensively, we have to get younger. I mean, it's yeah, right. ridiculous. You know, uh, it wasn't set up right. You know, if, if, if Nimmo and um, Conforto are going to be in the outfit next year, what's going on with Tespitus and Bruce? Right. right, and the thing is you can't get rid of either one of those guys because they're, they're making too much money and nobody's going to want them anyway. So, yes, you're going to have a logjam in the outfield if everybody is, you know, 100% healthy. Yeah, and then, but, it, but it's, it's a really, it's a bigger question. Like the organizational philosophy of, of this organization, what is it? You know, are we in a full rebuild? If we're in a full rebuild, you're not getting, you know, Cashman and you're not getting, you know, Theo Epstein's not coming here and you're not getting – John Daniels isn't going to leave the situation that he's in. And, and, and it, you know, as we talked about back in March, what's the payroll going to be? Right. I mean, the payroll is going to determine who's going to want to come take this job, and it's going to determine who wants to come play for us. I mean, the Mets are no longer a destination for free agents. So if you want Manny Machado in the offseason, you're going to have to outbid the Dodgers and Yankees by $5 bucks. And yeah. are we going to do that? I mean, we all know the answer. Yeah. The answer is no. So, you know, some, some guy that's coming in here is going to have to know what the salary structure is going to be. Uh, before even coming in and you know it's just it's just yeah and you know my here's my three cents i'm not even gonna say two cents my three cents is as follows one as far as the gm is concerned there's a guy out in cleveland who has ties to new york of course his dad is the program director at wfan is mike chernoff 
So chances are, with the way he's built that team, and I understand he built it a lot through the you know through the farm system, but he's also brought in some, uh, made some trades and brought in some uh, veteran help to uh, bolster that team. And granted that they play in a bad division, but still, he's a young guy. He's 37 years old. So you know what? If you want to bring him in because of the ties to New York, hopefully he could grant you know they'll grant permission. I don't know what type of compensation will go back the other way, but that would be a start if John Daniels isn't going to be in the mix. That's number one. Number two. Going back to the international money, uh, Jerome, it's interesting because I pulled up an article right before the start of the year, and they had a list of who had the most uh, international bonus money coming into the season. And granted that these, you know, it hasn't been revised because this is going back to March, but the Mets are actually in the middle of the signing bonus pool money at a little less than $5 million. Now, granted, they got a million with this familiar trade back, so I don't know what they've spent between March and now, but if they haven't, they're close to $6 million in bonus money. And for the Yankees who signed this uh, Rodriguez kid from Cuba, that was $600,000. So if you mean to tell me that the Mets have $5 million in international bonus money, and hopefully Omar, he's the guy that's going to fly down to these, you know, the Latin American places of the world, the Dominican Republics and the Venezuelas of the world, to hopefully look for this talent. Well, if you have $5 million bucks ready, you know, cash in hand, then, hey, let's go sign some players. Let's go. And granted that they're not going to be in the major leagues next year, but you know what? At least down the road, we could have, let's say, more arms or uh, an athletic outfield or just, you know, a much more steady infield. So that's number two. And number three, and I've said this time and time again, and I don't want to bore anybody who's listening to this podcast, but where is Jeff Wilpon? He has not held himself accountable. He needs to come out there. I know he's not that type of guy to be behind a microphone every five minutes. I get that. But you know what? This fan base, you, uh, yourself, Scott, and I included, we are just disgusted by the way this franchise has been run the last couple of years. We're going to get to the manager in a minute. But my final words on Jeff Wilpon is that he needs to at some point, and I would say before the end of the year, to tell your fans, look them right in the eye and says, we're going to start over. We're going to get this right. We want to get back to World Series. We want to win a championship. That's all we want to hear. And hopefully they have a plan and they execute it and they'll get to the promised land and we could all jump for joy and thank the good Lord that the Mets have finally won another World Series. Until then, Jeff, where are you? Yeah, well, well, yeah, I, I, I've heard, I've heard yeah. from Jeff Wilpon twice this year. <laughs> the first time I heard from Jeff Wilpon, he was telling us that, uh, that of, of, we are receiving the insurance proceeds for the David Wright contract mm. and we're not, we're, we're not necessarily going to invest in, in baseball operations. We spent a lot of money on that insurance policy, and and, and those proceeds, uh, we don't know if we're going to reinvest it in the team. And then the same thing was said this week with, this, with, with Cespedes. When a miracle happened that we found out finally that the Cespedes contract was also uh, insured. I mean, I don't know what insurance company is involved here, but <laughs> they can't be a good one. I'm, I hope I, my homeowner's policy isn't with them. State Farm. God. <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so that's, that's $15 million on, on, on right, and then another, you know, 12 and a half on Cespedes. That's $27 million bucks. We're not going to see that in the team. I'm not going to get a that, – that, that, that average, is, that's about 25% of the payroll. I'm not going to get a 25% uh, rebate on my season ticket invoice. Not even close. So, you know – they, they do have to come out. They do have to say they're going to reinvest the money. They they have to do a lot of things, but 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 you know, Wilpon the, the Wilpons are you know persona non grata in this room. Yeah. And in New York City, I mean, even Francesa is, is ripping the Wilpons, and, and you know, even though he's a closet meth fan, but he, he he's, he's been he's, he's been ripping the team. So, you know, I mean, I mean, we talked a lot about payroll back in the day, but yeah. I mean, Jerome, it, can, can we finally close the book on on the Alderson era? I mean, the Alderson era, they're, they're going to lose 90 games again this year. 
you know what? And they're, they're yeah, but yeah, but Scott, I mean, Scott, you're talking about guys. Jay Bruce didn't play the whole year. Cespedes didn't play the whole year. Darno didn't play the whole year. Frazier. These are these are four starters right there. What did you what do you think we were going to leave the team in offense with four injuries? Like when you talk about that, are, what are you saying? Are you saying Sandy shouldn't have signed them after the fact? Uh, like, I'm you're saying, not going to win games when when the middle of your lineup in a National League lineup is doesn't play the whole year. You know, when you're bringing up Luis Guillermo, do you think he's supposed <laughs> to he's supposed to win the triple crown? It's got to explain. explain no, to well, me, let, me, let me explain, explain this. Explain to me how God. No, God. I'll explain. Free. And you know what? And Sandy kind of bit the bullet a little bit on this when he had his press conference where he talked about that he needed to step away. And obviously, we wish him the best. Yes. You know, I, I just lost somebody in my family to cancer. It's a terrible mm. thing. Um, but you know, and I do wish him the best. But you're you're judged on your performance, and he signed Bruce, he signed Gonzalez, yep. he signed Reyes, he signed Swarzak. Well, Gonzalez, Gonzalez is irrelevant. All right, Gonzalez, you can't bring up Gonzalez. Okay, but Gonzalez is like, what do you think? What do you think? He wanted, he had twenty million dollars, and he's like, you know what? I don't want the best first baseman out there. Let me sign Gonzalez. I mean, that's Fine. ridiculous. Fine. So, but but he signed he signed Swarzak and he signed Vargas. He, he brought he brought back Cabrera, so he won he, he he won the Cabrera, but he was o for the other five, and you know yes the whole Cespedes, the whole world Cespedes, said Cespedes, Cespedes, we want a pennant right Go no I, I I didn't mention Cespedes I'm talking about this particular year right so this particular year those are the guys he brought back and he admitted it in that press conference that he that his his performance may may not have even wanted warranted bringing him back even if he wasn't stepping away so you know I think you know. We, we talked about being hamstrung by payroll, but right now the Braves and the Phillies are fighting it out to make the wild card, actually to win the division. If you added the Phillies and the Braves payroll together, oh, you get what the Mets payroll is. So at some point, Scott, you know, but, I, I, need, not, I need to hold this guy accountable. Not, yeah, no, I, I agree with you because at the end of the day, he's got to hire those guys. But the Braves, the Braves aren't there because their GM made splashes. The Braves are there because their farm system um, – picked it up. Acuna, Albies. That's completely different, right? And I, I, I understand that Sandy is the overall, you know, guy who runs that. So, you know, that's fair. He's got to take blame there. But this is not, you know, we're talking about apples and oranges. There's signing guys and then there's and then there's cultivating guys, right? And drafting right and picking the right guys. And and that's what makes the Braves so impressive is that they had these guys coming up. And the Phillies too. I mean, you look at how they did. Look at Nola and, and, and their pitching staff and, you know, Elfin and um, uh, who's the other guy, the right-hander, Pivetta. I mean, you know, they've made some great deals, um, especially for younger guys. The problem is with the Mets, the other issue is we always want to try to win. We never go into full rebuild, whereas the Braves and Phillies, they were terrible. Yeah. Maybe not for that long. We, we don't do that. We're like, yeah. okay, we got another shot at this. Well, look, but the, but the Mets always try to win with, you know, Swarzax, and they always try to win with, you know, $9 million players and $8 million players. The Phillies went out there and spent $19 million on Carlos Santana. They went and spent 20-something million dollars on Jake Arrieta. I mean, they're actually out there assigning the guys that win you championships, and the Mets have been plugging holes. They've been plugging holes for years now, not bringing in, other than Cespedes, not bringing in any player that can even, you know, contribute or, or even make an all-star team other than the pitching. And the pitching, which he inherited from, from Omar, you know, the, the pitching really hasn't lived up to expectations either, mostly because these guys are on the DL. So, yes, it's not Sandy's fault that these guys are on the DL, but he has $150 million to spend as he chooses, and he keeps bringing in 
guys that are just not up to snuff. And I know Jason's, um, Jason's pulling up ESPN now, learning that Chris Sale is on the DL. Yeah. So he's not going to be pitching this weekend. So there goes my wow. whole thing about Sale. And I just mentioned Sale. that. I just mentioned that. Yeah, they just put him um, on 10-day for uh, shoulder yeah. inflammation. Well, that's, so. that's like the fake DL. That's the uh, yeah. that's the uh, Syndergaard was hanging around three-year-olds and got a, and got the croup <laughs> and now can't pitch fake DL. So right. he'll probably just miss the Yankee yeah. game. Yeah. Bring up Santana, and it sounds great. He's having his worst year ever. Well, but the funny thing is, is, plus is 102. Uh, no, right, no, he has, he has been awful. I mean, I understand, like you said, his OPS has been awful. But the thing is, is that when you look at what they did, and granted, it's more money, three years. I get that as a, well, you're going to compare Santana to Bruce. But my point is, and I think we've talked about this before, Jerome. And like you said, hey, the Bruce deal, three for 39, that's a steal in this uh, day and age for Major League Baseball. Or bringing a guy like Swarzak for two years for whatever it was, 14 million. And he was productive last year. Great. But the thing is, is that they get these guys. Well, Swarzak, I think, was the first deal he made. But between the Bruce, Frazier, uh, even Reyes, I know Reyes is an afterthought. And to a certain extent, Gonzalez, I understand that's small potatoes. But the bottom line is, is that they wait for the last minute. They wait for the market to come back to them. And on top of that, they're going through the, uh, through the clearance aisle or through the clearance bin to look for these players a la Gonzalez. And we know that Gonzalez wasn't going to last this season. Now, granted... To think that we thought Dom Smith was going to be the guy, but there goes scouting and there goes development in the minor leagues. This is a guy that should be our first baseman since the start of the year, and what has he done? Zilch, one RBI and like oh, eighty at bats, and it's just oh, a, yeah, and it's yeah, and it, I'm, I'm done with him. No, exactly, and it makes you wonder, makes you think that it's not even just the GMs. It's who are the uh, people in place that are not below in the double A, single A, even triple A that are developing these players to the point where I heard an interview with Wally Backman a couple weeks ago saying that, yes, the Mets, and we understand he's bitter that he didn't get a managing job back when he was with uh, Arizona that one time and all the dirty laundry came out, and then obviously his beef with Sandy, which is one of the reasons why he left the organization. But you know what? I trust Wally Backman for all of what he's done, you know, off the field for him not to get a job, but because of what he's done and he's honest and he's forthright and he's the type of guy where he could throw analytics out the window. It's all about performance and the eye test and things of that nature where, listen, try to develop these players. Look at the guy like uh, Dom Smith or even, i never forget, a couple weeks ago with Ahmed Rosario. He has all the ability in the world, but he's booting balls left and right. He's overrunning balls. Uh, it's just amazing to think that you look at a Gleyber Torres, he comes up and a guy looks like he's been playing here for 20 years and then you know, I mean, Rosario's you know still swinging in the shoe tops. It's amazing how these players don't seem to develop, especially here in you know in Flushing. Yeah, I mean, look, Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario. I mean, uh, Ahmed Rosario is the the basketball equivalent of the guy who gets to the hoop, but just can't put the ball in the hoop. He right. just can't, can't finish. He just yeah. can't finish. And, and look, and look, he's young, and the season's already lost, so he's going to get the rest of the year to, to show what he's got. But you know. At some point, you got to start thinking about what can we get for this guy to, to bring in an, I agree. an established he's part shortstop. Of package. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, can, part of- I keep bringing up Machado. Yeah, I would love to have him. But, you know, I don't want to be hamstrung because there's already a guy playing shortstop. I mean, that's right. that, this guy is not Baseball America number two like they said he was. So, oh, yeah, definitely. so you know, a, ni- a nice player, he'll be fine with, with, with guys around him. But, you, you know, this is not the centerpiece of your franchise. Like, I, I really don't know who is on offense. Yeah. I agree. Well, look, guys, I'm running out of time. I want to bring up one other thing here, yeah. Jason. I'm not trying to hijack the podcast, no, podcast no. but Mickey Callaway. Yeah, let's talk about What's your take on this guy? Does he, 
deserve another chance? Do, you know, what is your you know overall feeling of him? Is he a good pilot for this team going forward? Has he learned from his mistakes? What, what do you guys think of that? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, it's real quick because I know you're pressed for time and obviously you want to celebrate your birthday. But two things on Callaway. These next two months are really going to determine and much so wins and losses, yes, because that's what it's all about, but how he reacts to certain situations, game situations, and even off-the-field stuff. Because he has been clueless pretty much from the start of the year, and obviously that honeymoon was over pretty much after the, what, 14th game of the season? So now, for me personally, I want him gone. I don't think he has the pulse of New York. I don't think that for all the things that he said in his press conference, which to me was a little bit over the top, uh, that's not going to work in this day and age. And whichever GM is going to come in here, I don't know. He's probably going to bring his own guy in. So I think this could be. I think this is going to be one and done. So whomever comes in, is, put it this way: Bozo the Clown could come in as GM. He's probably not going to pick Mickey Callaway as his manager. And you know what? And that'd be a good thing because I don't know about this guy moving forward, considering how he botched the lineup in Cincinnati, the whole Cespedes situation. You know, looking around like you know which way did he go, George? Like he had no clue. And then on top of that, saying that, oh, wait, we, we got to trust, using the old Philadelphia 76er, we got to trust the process, and that, uh, you know, hey, we're just not in sync yet. What, in sync? This isn't an offensive line. I mean, give me a break. So, to me, <laughs> with, I'm, I'm done with Callaway. Unless somehow, some way, over the next 60 games, he turns it around. I'm not trying to say they got to go 40 and 20, but just along the lines of, hey, maybe he's become a, a lot better in certain game situations where, I mean, look at the game real quick. The game in the... Uh, at City Field against Washington when he brings in Blevins to pitch to Harper and he hits a two-run homer. And meanwhile, the day before, he didn't want to bring in Blevins to pitch to a lefty because he gets righties out. So what's the point in bringing him in when Harper came up and he took him 400 feet? That's why yeah. Callaway has to go. Yeah, I mean, look. Well, I think the best thing you said there was a new GM, new manager. <laughs> yeah. Right, but then it comes back to the original point. You know, are we rebuilding or are we going for it? If you're rebuilding, you know, Joe Madden's not leaving the Cubs to come here. No. You know, Joe Girardi's not going to come here. You're, you're talking about some guy, unproven guy, uh, you know, the pitching coach on a team or, you know, the bench coach on a team, just some young, hungry guy, and that's what we have. We have a young, hungry guy. And, you know, he sat there, I, he sat there in the yeah. bullpen and, and when he was in Cleveland, and he said, you know what, I don't believe in this closer thing. I'm going to use the right reliever in the high-leverage situation, and I'm going to start using Familia. We don't have a closer. And what did he do? Familia was a closer. I didn't see Familia come in in the sixth inning with second and third and, and one right. out to strike out the guy that you needed to strike out. No, he was the closer. Like, you know, Blevins was the, was the, the eighth inning guy against lefties. And, you know, you know, Swarzak getting hurt kind of forced his hand a little bit, but Swarzak was the eighth inning guy. So, you know, he, he said a lot of things. I don't think he's practicing what he preaches. Obviously, there's somebody else telling you know, possibly there's somebody else telling him what he needs to do. Um, you know, and, 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 and Jason wants to see how, you know, what he does in the next two months. I mean, I'm not going to be watching the next two months. <laughs> like, you know, this, to, to, honestly, this is the earliest – even with the debacles that we've had over the last nine years where we've lost 90 games, you know, six times in eight years, I wasn't done on July 31st. There was still some baseball. And, you know, this year, you know, we do have that Yan the Yankee game on August 13th, so maybe I'll watch till the 13th. Right. But, but, but we're right. done. But we're done. You know, I, I took my kids to, to Giants training camp, 
uh-huh. the other day, and you know it's football season. Like that's I, it. Yeah. I mean, th- I I thank the Lord that the three of us are not Jets fans because oh. I don't know what we would be doing. And at least and at least the Jets do have a little bit of a bright future. But you know we've got the Giants, you've got the Steelers. You know we're we're, we're looking to turn that around. But but that's where I'm at with this thing. And you know I got a million tickets to unload. <laughs> you know you you can go to any game you want for three dollars on StubHub. Like you know if if the Mets think that. That, that anyone's going to renew their tickets for next year, they're, 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 they're sorely mistaken. No, I hear you. It's, uh, these are rough times, and I think there's a lot of decisions to make for this organization. And, um, you know, I think one of the things we touched on was not so much that the team's been bad. It's, it's what happens when we do falter and, and you know, it's, we have the quotes and nobody knows what's going on, and it's like, oh, why does this have to be a circus? And granted, it's amplified here. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you look at these tabloids. They, they love picking on the Mets and absolutely, unequivocally pandering to the Yankees, who have won one title in the last 17 years. Yeah. yeah. Spe- speaking of the ta- this speak- is the greatest team in the world, and I, and I hear you, Scott, where they're always in the playoff on one title in 17 years with all the money they've spent. Yeah, but, so, look, but look, they've been in the playoffs, yeah. or at least they've been playing meaningful baseball every single year except one and what and and that one year we had that one year they had jeter they had jeter retiring that one year so people were watching anyway the mets they have they have to wait we're talking about two different things here scott i'm talking about winning a championship and you would think that the yankees have won 10 championships yeah look i I just i just want to compete i mean today today's uh, i'm I'm gonna give it away today today is your 43rd birthday is that right so you Uh, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you are, so you weren't around for this for the '74 season. Neither was I. You know. So you had '86. Then you didn't compete. You, you, you didn't go to the World Series for another 14 years. Then you didn't go to the World Series for another what? 12 years. And now, and then, and what, what's it going to be next time? Like, and when we and when we lose, it's not like we're there. It's not like we're 500. The Mets in the past nine years have been just dreadful in in august and september the first year at city field they lost 90 games like it was it was it's just sad but but you mentioned the tabloids and before you go i'd I'd love to get your take on the daily news i mean i know you're a post guy but but what what are are your what what do you what do you think there do you think we've lost a little bit of credibility here that there's only one paper out there writing the truth now what what are your thoughts well i i'm a post guy but at the same time i'm I, i can't read their baseball coverage because Sherman and Davidoff, it's like they're going to lose their press passes. They pander so much to the Yankees, it's incredible. So it's like, even though I read the post, I'm not actually reading it for the baseball, if that makes any sense, because I can't take it. Like, Mike Puma is the beat guy for the Mets, and he loves he loves just getting on Sherman's side by just ripping the Mets constantly. And it's just like, why am I even reading this? The Mets could win 8-2, and the post would write something like, yeah, but uh, their new reliever gave up a home run in the ninth. And I'm like, well, why, why do I even care? I don't care. You know, they just love taking pot shots at us. And clearly it's personal to these guys. That's how these writers work, right? Uh, they were slighted some way. And I can't get into that. I just, you know, you just can read between the lines when you're reading this stuff every day. So, um, yeah, the Daily News hurts because it's a pro-Met paper. Um, and, and, you know, but again, it's, if you ask me, Scott, what's going on, everything's digital now anyway, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's definitely not Look, like. Guys, I gotta get out. Yeah, I go ahead, Jerome. Get out of here. Um, thank you so much, Jay. I hope it turns out okay, and uh, can't wait to do it again. All right, absolutely. Have a good time. Happy birthday once again. Take care, guys. All right, and uh, before we wrap up, Scott, two things I want to say. It's funny how you mentioned the uh, World Series. Just think about the symmetry. 
Mets went to a World Series in 73. Next time they made it, 13 years later, 86. In 86, the next time they made it to the World Series, 14 years later, 2000. The next World Series, 15 years. So you know what the next one's going to be. It's going to be 2031 before the Mets go to the World Series. So you know what? we got another 13 years to wait. I just hope that we're both around to see that. Ugh, that, that <laughs> is terrible. And, you know, I got the five-year-old twins, and maybe I'm doing them a disservice by making them Mets fans. I know Evan talks about this all the time. Oh, yeah. At, at least we do have the 86 Mets because, yeah. you know, he's, he's, his, all of his four teams are terrible. Oh, but, I forget it. But, yeah, between the Mets and the Knicks, it's just uh, – it's just, it's just rough. It's just, and, and it shouldn't be that. Like we are paying the highest ticket prices in, in, in all of sports, and to and to have this this mediocre product in a beautiful ballpark. We always talk about that beautiful ballpark, mediocre product. It, I mean, it's and as you said on, on on recent podcasts, it starts and ends with the Wilpons. Accountability, and that's the one thing they should have taken a page from Sandy Alderson, just like his final press conference when he said that, yeah, I shouldn't even be back and. He even mentioned some of the deals that made had not panned out. So you know what? He faced the music. He realized that I didn't do my job, and that's what Jeff Wilpon needs to do, as I've said, you know, ad nauseum over the last uh, month or so. And one last thing I'm going to say, talking about the whole manager situation, as far as to put this whole podcast to bed, the GM, I don't know what it's going to be. I just mentioned Chernoff only because, like I said about the ties to New York. Uh, I'm sure they're going to get a young guy. They're going to get an analytics guy. Who knows? Would they even think about talking to Jed Hoyer? Uh, the assistants at the OF scene in Chicago, who obviously, you know, they go way back. It's chances are it's probably going to be a young GM. I would think they're going to go that route, which means that they're going to go through the route of a young uh, manager. I would love just one time. I know it's never going to happen, but you know what? The fan base will go nuts. There would actually be juice in the building, and I understand the manager today is not like 1970 a la Earl Weaver, you know, Lou Pinella, etc. But could you imagine if the Mets somehow some way said the hell with it let's hire wally backman as our manager people go crazy because they know that wally is a no-nonsense type of guy he's going to be a guy that's going to hold himself accountable he's going to hold his team accountable but of course in this day and age we have to coddle all the players we got to make sure that it's a love fest we got to make sure oh hey i'm going to put you in the lineup on this is it okay if i put take you know take you out of the lineup no wally's type of guy you don't hustle to first base he'll get in the cesspit of his ear you're sitting on the bench which I know would be a mistake because then you're going to alienate Cespinus and obviously he makes all this money, you know, the most money on the team. So therefore you're going to have a rift and that's going to cause an explosion unbeknownst to anything that we probably will ever see for quite some time. But with that being said, the bottom line is that it's all about winning. It's not about trying to make this a country club or trying not to make this out to be some sort of, you know, club med where everybody can just kind of lay back the player's coach or the player's manager, whatever it may be. And if they brought in somebody like that, it'd be unbelievable. But with that being said, he's going to be too old. And obviously, in this day and age with analytics and sabermetrics and all that, it's he's certainly not going to be a candidate for that managerial job. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mike Matheny's out there. We'll talk to him. But look, I, I just I just don't see a managerial change. I, I mean, I think. Wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, you got you 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 brought in this pitching guy, and you know what? The bullpen has been an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> oh, but that's been all injury related. Yeah. You got the starting rotation. You got your second best pitcher, Syndergaard, who just, you know, one injury or another just can't pitch. You know. Then then you've got DeGrom who the offense can't score for. And if you look at you know, if you look at the stats, I mean Wheeler's actually pitching pretty well. Matz has got a three something ERA. So I mean I, I think the starting pitching, which is which is you know, where this, this franchise has been has been rooted in, you know, every single year since since nineteen sixty four or so, you know, you know, it's going to be starting pitcher based, and and I think that whoever comes in to be the GM is going to interview you know this this manager, and 
and I think he's going to go with them. Look, I, you know, I, this is not football. This is not basketball. So, some would say the manager is a bit overrated. But I, but I think as far as, you know, pushing the starters, he's, he has been pushing the starters a little bit. You've seen DeGrom go 115, 120. You haven't seen that with Mats yet, but you're starting to see that with Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler, the last few weeks, I, 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 do, I do give the manager credit for, for pushing him. He probably pushed him just to see what he had, just to see, if, you know, for a potential trade. But you know what? He actually pitched pretty well. Yeah, he, he threw did. over 100 pitches the last three starts. He looks like he can be a solid number three for next year. Mats could be a solid number four, and then you, you you patch together number five, and I think you got a rotation. So you know, bullpen is it's going to be a complete it's going to be a complete tear down and rebuild. I mean, you're kind you're kind of stuck by this contract, but you know, with the you know the. Uh, the setup guy, who I can't even watch pitch, but oh, Andrew Swarzak. Swarzak. Yeah. I mean, you got these Jacob Rames, and you've got these Peterson <laughs> the guys. Petersons, I mean, yeah. all these guys that, that Sandy got in these trades last year should be coming up, right? All these great relievers. So, right. you know, I mean, I, I just don't see a managerial change. I mean, we'll see what this new GM does, and, mm. I, and, I, and I think that this new GM is going to have to spend some money. There's, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, he's going to have to spend some money. I mean, I looked a little bit about who's available, and, and unfortunately, outside of Harper and Machado. <laughs> slim Pickens? It, it is Slim Pickens. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, I don't know who, who you were thinking about. I mean, Bullpen-wise, there's some guys out there. You know, the Met, if the Mets spent some money, we could bring in Andrew Miller, we could bring in David Robertson, and we could bring in Brad Ziegler. That, that would be a nice start. Uh, we could bring in Kimbrel. Kimbrel could be the closer of the New York Mets next year with a with a with a 180 to 200 million dollar payroll, yeah. and and you, you you've saved 15 million dollars a year for the past three years on right, and now you're saving 12 and a half, and you know Cespedes probably won't play next year, so that's another 10. <laughs> so you you start reinvesting these dollars, and you could have a legitimate bullpen to back these starters who you know obviously you're going to have to start paying Degrom, maybe not this year, but but next year. So, 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 so with those couple guys, you can have a real, a real uh, uh, pitching staff. But, but, on, but, but hitting the baseball, I mean, I can't look at a single guy that's on this team right now and say, you know what, that guy has to be here next year. Right. I mean, Nimmo is is, is cooled off, and Nimmo's gonna Nimmo on a, on, a, on a full season adjusted basis would strike out 180 times. Like, you know, Nimmo's not the answer. Obviously, Jay Bruce isn't the answer. We talked about talked about the shortstop. You know, if anything, Frazier was actually the only guy that was hitting his weight. Um, he had he had a decent amount of RBIs. He was right. he was hitting in the high pressure situations. He was driving in the runner from third base with one out. Yeah. Uh, Cabrera was doing the same thing, and you know now we're now we're now we've lost Cabrera, our best hitter. So, right. I mean, I th- I almost think like lineup wise, you're gonna have to tear this thing up. But you know, there's no first baseman coming to the market. There's barely any second baseman on the market. We're kind of hamstrung in the outfield with the four guys we have under contract. So, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, some, somebody's going to have to come in and, and, and figure something out. Well, the crazy thing is, Scott, and just as we're getting ready to end, sounds like the air just went off. So look at that. So now we have a uh, silent uh, room, but uh, we're probably going to have to bid adieu here in a couple minutes. And, Scott, I'll just close with this. Obviously, we have two months till the end of the year. And then we have, obviously, October into November before we get to hot stove. But I wonder what the Mets are going to do. To me, the, the, if you're the Mets fan right now, you got nothing to watch. You just uh, The season's gone out to sea. But the one thing that you're looking for here is what you're going to get out of Rosario. To me, this is how I look at it. What are you going to get out of Rosario? Is DeGrom going to be a Cy Young candidate despite the fact he only has five wins? And not only that, is Callaway going to 
make the cut here at the end of the year. I, I'm sure he's going to make it to the end of the year. That goes without saying. But as the new GM does come in, and from what ownership said, that they are going to go that route to try to get somebody you know higher from outside the organization, whether or not he's going to be here. And then even more importantly, I'll add this one to the mix. More importantly, is that GM going to be that person to say, just like Omar did back in 2005 when he signed Pedro and Carlos Beltran, that yes, I have full autonomy of the organization. I bring it to Jeff's attention. If he signs off on it, then he's on the team. To me, I don't want a de facto GM a la Jeff Wilpon making any decisions when it comes to this ball club. Whomever's going to be that GM says, hey, I want to get Manny Machado. Hey, I want to get this guy. I want to get that guy. And that's that. And as long as he gets Jeff Wilpon's blessing, then all is fine. If not, if he's going to be a puppet to Jeff Wilpon or anybody else for that matter, then forget about it. The, the team is certainly going to go nowhere. And again, 2031 will be the next time the Mets will be in the World Series. Yep. From your, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, My heart to your soul. Yeah, uh, jeez. You know, so we'll see, we, you know, we'll see if this McNeil guy's got anything. Let's bring up this Alonzo character. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, these guys we've never heard of all of a sudden are, you know, the future of our organization because, you know, the Dom Smiths of the world are doing nothing. Uh, you know, Gavin Cicchini, right? Oh, where, yeah. Where, where, where's that guy? Well, yeah, I spoke to that. I don't know if you heard. I spoke to that, um, the Vegas writer. <laughs> yeah. And he said that, yeah, he's not a major league player. And that's a shame because he's a guy that was a number one pick and his claim to fame, if he never makes the major leagues again, his first and only home run in the major leagues was against Clayton Kershaw. So at least he has that to hang his hat on when he wants to tell his grandkids someday. But other than that, as we all know, whether it's going to be through the draft or let's see what happens with this international bonus money that they're getting, especially the $1 million for Familia, and if they have about $6 million in the pot, all right, well, let's uh, hit the pavement. Let's go out there and try to find these guys because granted that they're not going to be in the mix for the next two years, maybe three years, but you know what? If there's going to be any sliver of hope for this team to compete going into 2020 and beyond, we would only hope that they could go to these countries to pluck these players and hopefully pan out to be bona fide major leaguers. Yep. Well, look, I mean, we, we, we saw the Astros, right? We saw the Astros in the World Series last yeah. year. One through nine, those guys are unbelievably better than the New York Mets. Oh. So, so you know, we talk about like adding a guy or adding two, but we need six guys. Yeah. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll, we will see what happens, and and I'm not paying that invoice until I see. Something. <laughs> and that's I can say that for you, Scott, from your lips to God's ears and your heart to your soul, and so on and so forth. Scott, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do this again. And uh, hey, until uh, the end of the season. Just like the uh, spirited Met fans that we are, let's go Mets. All right, well, there you have it. Scott and Jerome always deliver the goods when it comes to talking about the Mets and baseball. A very spirited discussion between the three of us. Of course, Jerome wasn't able to come into the shop to discuss with us uh, in person but thankfully, he's uh, spent a few minutes with us just to discuss everything that's going on with the Mets and baseball and the trade deadline, et cetera. So thanks to them once again for joining me on the podcast. Just a brief word on the NFL training camps as they've opened up throughout the nation here. And to think, this coming Sunday is the Hall of Fame game. We all know that the ceremonies will take place the day before. I hadn't really talked much about the whole Terrell Owens deal with him not participating at the Hall of Fame event there on Saturday at Canton with all the other Hall of Famers that are going to be enshrined. Of course, we know Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, Randy Moss, 
Robert Brazil, a couple others that I'm forgetting to mention off the top of my head, but Terrell Owens, who's going to have his own ceremony at his old alma mater down there at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. And good for him for doing that. Uh, Listen, no sweat off my back. He is a Hall of Famer no matter what, whether he's having this ceremony in Canton, Tennessee, or on the moon. doesn't really matter. But I know it's ruffled some feathers in the league. And to me, it's just the Hall of Fame ceremony. doesn't have anything to do with what's happening on the field or has that much of a that much of a story that's going to hold water to the extent where, hey, you know, why isn't he doing this? Why shouldn't he do this? It's just a Hall of Fame ceremony. If he wants to have it on the moon, God bless him. So, But with that being said, with the Hall of Fame game being on Sunday and then the full slate of preseason games coming the following Thursday, Friday, and into the weekend, uh, I know I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer, but it just right to the forefront. It makes you start to think that the days of summer are starting to get shorter and shorter as the hours just continue to slowly but surely creep on by. But the big thing here locally is the situation with the Jets signing Sam Darnold, finally getting him under contract, which was enormous because the Jet fan especially, but I'm sure the hierarchy certainly did not want to have this thing go on any further than what it already was. Again, just yesterday, July 30th, he finally signed on, is able to participate in all the practices and the early scrimmages that will take place at Florham Park for the New York Jets. And this was a big deal. I mean, this is a guy that's going to carry this franchise for the next decade. And not to say that year one is the most important year. Obviously, you want to get him off to a good start. You want to get him signed and into the building. But even more so, now that you have him in the fold, you know that you're going to start to see the glimpses of what this kid is all about. Because if this would have dragged on into the first preseason game and, God forbid, to the last preseason game to where this would have been some sort of standoff, uh, it certainly wouldn't have set a good light, not only just on the Donald camp, but even also on the Jet camp as well. A lot of the talk early on, uh, as the reason why he didn't sign was, of course, this new term that you're going to hear quite a bit, and I haven't really heard a lot about it. <clears throat> excuse me. Prior to this, is the offset language, which is pretty much having to deal with the length of the contract, and if by any chance Donald were to get cut, he's going to receive extra money because the whole point of the offset language being that if he's going to not fulfill this contract and if for any way, shape, or form doesn't let's say if they had a five-year deal on the table and after the third year he's going to get cut, there's going to be certain money that's going to go to him considering that the whole contract wasn't fulfilled. And it's weird because this was something that was never part of the football lexicon. I've never heard about it until this offseason. And I know the Chicago Bears, I believe as of right now, the linebacker that they drafted, that Roquan Smith, he's hasn't signed on the dotted line as of yet because – a lot of the discussion with him and his position and with the new helmet rules with suspensions and fines and things of that nature, they don't want it to be a thing where that's going to affect his contract. So they want to get that language set straight because whatever money that he loses under the new rules is obviously going to hurt him. And that's one of the reasons why they haven't ironed that out. And a lot of people thought that even with Darnold, Of course, they weren't thinking about suspensions and fines. They were just thinking about him fulfilling that part of the contract. And if it wasn't going to be fulfilled for whatever the reason, they want to make sure that he's covered. So now they got that all ironed out. And pretty much a lot of that, it wasn't even based on that, believe it or not. 
Uh, it wasn't even based on the money. It wasn't even based on that the whole offset language. They just wanted to make sure that it was about the guaranteed money. That's what it came down to. It had nothing to do with any of the language that I just mentioned before or anything about the terms of the deal as far as contractually is concerned. It all had to do with the guaranteed money, and that was the reason why he wasn't able to get into camp until yesterday. And, of course, there was some mock cheers and, I don't want to say angry claps, but you know, just having him back in the mix and having him in the fold is very important because you want to have this guy who's going to be the face and the leader of this franchise if not this year, definitely next year moving forward, you don't want to have this hanging over your head. Or you don't even want to have this hanging over your head at any point uh, during the, the at least this first season because it's always going to look bad on the player and the agent, for that matter, because they weren't able to hammer out a deal or iron out a deal when everybody's in camp and here's the last man standing. And, of course, he hasn't shown up as of yet. But not to worry. That's all taken care of. That's now in the rearview mirror. And when you look at Darnold, I understand there's going to be a ton of pressure on this kid. From everything that you've heard to this point, he's opening it with, uh, he's embracing it with open arms. He feels as if that he knows the responsibility of what it's going to be like to be the quarterback of this team, to try to lead them to the promised land or even just lead them to the playoffs and then hopefully get to a promised land. We know this coming year is going to be the 50th anniversary of that Super Bowl three Jet team with Joe Namath. And not to say that the Jets are going to go to a Super Bowl or even deep into a playoff, but just having that guy there, knowing that the future does look bright, that they don't have to look over their shoulder or the fans don't have to look and see guys, and to no offense, of course, the Pat Ryans of the world, the Browning Nagels of the world, the Ken O'Briens of the world, the Rick Myers of the world. I, I could go down the whole line of Jet quarterbacks since Joe Namath. You know, Richard Todd's and Matt Robinson's. I mean, please, it's it's endless. So now that you have... Him in the mix, you're going to see him, I'm sure, maybe not this first preseason game. You're probably going to see him a lot in the second preseason game. The early expectations, a lot of people, I'm sure, the Jet fan probably wants him to start this year. They don't want Josh McCown to start. Kind of forget that Teddy Bridgewater is in the mix here, and you would think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a big part in maybe even getting that starting job. It may be his to lose, despite the fact that Josh McCown at 39 years old is pretty much a quarterback, coach, slash, player and his influence on these quarterbacks are going to be tremendous uh, here not only this coming camp but also leading into the regular season Uh, I'm not going to make any predictions right now because a lot of it's going to be based on performance and productivity throughout the course of camp but my early expectations I would think for Donald is just go in get your reps do what you can and more importantly address the media Stay poised, stay calm, stay cool and collected. And chances are he'll probably play this year. Now, we don't know what's going to happen as far as injuries are concerned. We don't know what's going to happen as far as, you know, who's going to get the bulk of the playing time from the start. Will it be McCown? You know, by default, will it be Bridgewater? Because a lot of people think that Bridgewater, coming off of that horrific knee injury, it's going to be his time to uh, take the bull by the horns and start off the year in Detroit Monday night, week one, to lead this team to its first victory of the year. You know, all that says, you know, it remains to be seen. And how I see it from afar is that you want to take your time with Darnold here. No need to rush him. It's not as if this team needs that quarterback or it's not as if this team is stacked and ready to win with or without Darnold. Uh, The first person I think about, I go back to, of course, me being the Steeler fan that I am, 
is when Ben Roethlisberger was drafted in 2004 and he came into that week two game against the Ravens when Tommy Maddox got hurt, you know, he pretty much went into a veteran stacked team. I mean, think about it. You know, you had veteran presence on that offense, whether it was Heinz Ward, whether it was Jerome Bettis. That was uh, Plexico Burris's last year as a stealer that year. And we all know about the defensive side and the type of leaders that they had then, Troy Polamalu, Joey Porter. And for Ben to just to come in there and to do just enough, you know what they say when you get those rookie quarterbacks, you just want them to manage the game and not try to do too much or uh, not try to oversimplify the game for the quarterback, especially coming in in his rookie year. But Roethlisberger, as successful he was that year, we all know what happened his rookie year. He went to an AFC title game, and then the following year went to a Super Bowl, being the youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. But that team was already stacked. That team already had its players there, and it just needed to get that quarterback to to take them to that promised land. Here, the Jet roster as it is, it's certainly not anywhere near stacked or anywhere near competing for a Super Bowl. They're starting to put the piece together. The offense slowly but surely is coming along, although they don't have that number one top receiver or the number one you know top running back. But they're going to start building with this team. And I think as long as Donald's in the mix, and who knows, if the Jets are 3-7 and seven after week 10, you may see Donald week 11. And that's only going to be a building block heading into next year. And then they're going to have a lot more money under the cap so they could bring in that offensive talent or whoever, whomever it is that they need to take them to that next level. So for Donald and for the Jet fans, just be patient. I think he's going to go in there. I would think he'll be a student of the game. Uh, you would hope to see some flashes there in the preseason, see what he could do. If he's lights out and he wins the job, then, hey, God bless him. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is going to be Teddy Bridgewater's job to lose. You would think McCown will be the backup, and then obviously Sam Donald will be the third string. So – all the best to Sam Donald. I'm sure it's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a very interesting first year for him. And the Jet fan, I know they're chomping at the bit to see what this kid's going to be all about. But again, you just got him into the fold. Give him some time. You know, Don't expect a, a Super Bowl run this year. And if it does happen, then huh, I tell you, it would be the magic carpet ride of all time because, as we all know, Jet fans have been waiting for this moment to get that star quarterback onto their team pretty much since Joe Willie, Willie Namath way back yonder going over 50 years ago. People, spread the word. Get everybody involved who loves sports or into sports, just getting into sports, by have them join the podcast universe with the J Reels podcast. They can find me, of course, on my website at www.jreels.com. Of course, that's J-A-Y-R-E-E-L-Z.com. Also on my social media accounts, whether it's Twitter, J Reels 1, Instagram, J Reels, and Facebook, the J Reels podcast. Also, send me an email at thejreelspodcast at gmail.com. And more importantly, people, subscribe, leave a rating, post a review. That's the most important thing because in this large universe where there are many, 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 many podcasts, and not just of all genres, but especially with sports, the only way it's going to get seen, the only way it's going to increase popularity and increase visibility is to have you guys not only subscribe, but also leave a review Post a rating. I'd greatly appreciate it. You could do it on the various platforms that you listen to your podcasts. So whether it's Apple Podcasts, of course, which is iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, Spotify. That's right, people. I'm also on Spotify, Stitcher, all those platforms. So all you need to do is just when you're on your phone, 
You could just scroll down when you get to my podcast, type that in, the J Reels podcast, scroll down. All you got to do is just hit subscribe and then right below that, leave a rating, hit a re- post a review. It literally takes about 60 seconds to do. And again, without your participation, my show will not be seen by a lot of people. And as it is, it's generally by word of mouth, despite the fact I have the website and I want the popularity to increase. And the only way that could happen, of course, is by you listening and spreading the word to anybody and everybody who is interested in listening to what's going on in the world of sports. So with that said, people, uh, once again, thank you very much for downloading and sharing this podcast with whomever may be out there. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flipping.